Steve Wilkes is out as San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator after just one season. We'll tell you why that's not a shocker and why maybe it's not all Steve Wilkes' fault. And programming note, we just recorded a podcast about all of this before the news of him being fired. It all still applies, and I think you could see it coming. All that more coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you as always at BD Peacock at Crocky209. Thanks everybody for making us your first listen here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Love all the everydayers out there sticking with us through the season and now into the offseason because it doesn't stop here. Uh, the road to 2024. A lot of talk about that coming up here on the podcast every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Today's episode of Lockdown 49ers is brought to you by. Game time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first ticket purchase. All right, Croc. Uh, a lot of a lot of quotes. I don't know if we can get to every single quote that I've highlighted here uh, that I want to get into from players at their lockers on Tuesday. Head coach Kyle Shanahan about the coaching staff, about a lot of the decisions that went into Super Bowl 58. John Lynch talking about the future and and getting ready for the next season with this roster in the offseason. But I think we've got to start with the conversation around defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. And if he's maybe a one and done D.C. for the San Francisco 49ers this year. Um, Kyle Shanahan was asked the question about Steve Wilkes specifically, and this was his response. Uh, he said, we'll talk a t- about a ton as the week goes on and off season. what we want to be, our defense, our special teams. That's a lot of conversation. Salary cap, personnel, draft. Haven't watched the game yet, to tell you the truth. And he also went on to say about, on a follow-up question, to really dial him in about the coaching staff and specifically Wilkes, he said, quote, I haven't talked to anyone. I expect all our coaches to be back. Well, we know on Tuesday now that Anthony Lynn is gone. Running backs coach and assistant head coach Anthony Lynn is leaving for the Washington Commanders to be their run game coordinator under Cliff Kingsbury and head coach Dan Quinn and former 49ers assistant GM, now Washington GM, Adam Peters. So he's gone. And it was reported by Adam Schefter before the Super Bowl that the New Orleans Saints were going to hire 49ers pass game coordinator Clint Kubiak as their offensive coordinator. So we'll see if that's uh, a done deal at some point in the very near future. So the 49ers are going to lose some coaches. And the big question now becomes, is Steve Wilkes the defensive coordinator next? And every single person watching the Super Bowl saw an irate Kyle Shanahan in overtime calling timeouts to undo the play call from Steve Wilkes. And it was part of a, a series of plays in overtime where the 49ers were playing some pretty soft coverage. And there was a second and 14, second and 15 play where there were six guys going at the quarterback and five guys deep and nobody between eight, nine yards of the line of scrimmage. And it was an easy pitch and catch for Patrick Mahomes to get close to make an easy third down conversion on the next play with a similar soft defense. And then later on in the same drive in overtime, Steve Wilkes called it again. And Kyle Shanahan visibly upset calls a timeout and from when you, when you go back throughout the season, Croc, and you look at, okay, the 49ers 
started to have a little bit of trouble on the defensive side of the ball. So they pulled Steve Wilkes out of the booth and put him down on the sideline. And then you saw some ups and downs with this team. And we're over here scratching our heads. Like, why is this defense with all the talent they have not better? How, how do you need to go at the trade deadline and still get two more edge rushers to help you out on the defense when you have so much talent in Bosa and Armstead and Hargrave and everybody that's on that 49ers defense. And then you look at what happened in the Super Bowl with uh, you know some some predictable play calls on the defensive side of the ball. And, and Kroc, Kyle Shanahan may or may not want to move on from his de- defensive coordinator, but I'm not sold that Steve Wilkes would want to stick around himself because he's never had a chance to call his own defense because it's not his defense, right? So this might be something that it's untenable because it sounds on paper like it was a bad idea to begin with to bring in a defensive coordinator who's not calling his own scheme. I'm glad that you mentioned that part because as you were talking the whole time, I was thinking, man, I'm going to have to answer Peacock's question with another question. And the question that I would ask would, does Wilkes want to come back? You know, th- this entire time he's had to try to adopt the vision of the defense that Kyle Shanahan has given him. And as a coordinator, you know, it would be extremely difficult, a- in my opinion, to call plays based on how someone else sees it and how they want you to do it. You know, I always kind of refer to me, you know, coaching high school football, coaching um, seven on seven. And, you know, I've seen it even at that level where, you know, you have two coaches that might have a difference in philosophies. You can't, It's really difficult to put your philosophy on another coach if they see things a different way. And that's at any level, in particular, especially at the highest level. So if you bring in Steve Wilkes and then say, hey, man, I really like you to be this coach, but here's the way that I want you to do things. I would assume that that's something that Wilkes going through this entire process. Like, man, I never even really had a chance to be who I want to be or call things how I want to do it. I'm trying to adapt to the way that you would like me to do it. And I don't think that that has worked very well. Not that it hasn't worked. I think on paper, if you look at the 49ers, they look like they had actually a really good defense. But obviously we could see in certain moments, maybe not doing things how he ideally would want to do it. And I think that that would be a problem moving forward. So um, I think a lot of people see the writing on the wall as, man, it might be Wilk's time to kind of, leave because Kyle's not really feeling him. I do feel like Kyle doesn't trust him, but I also would say, man, I don't think Wilkes trusts Kyle. Like, bro, you made me move from the booth to the field. Like I've always been in the booth. You were not complaining the first five weeks when most of the things were going our way. And even after we had kind of our, you know, bad little stand uh, over three weeks, it's like, man, you know, I, I still think that defense did not play nearly their best football, but the offense didn't either. And Eventually, you get back on track. You play against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything gets going. The The defense is clicking. And I was like, oh, aha, we moved into the field. That's what worked. And really, I just think, no, nah, I think the defense just kind of got back in their groove. If players feel more comfortable with him being on the, on the field, then maybe you shouldn't have hired this guy that likes to be in the booth from the jump because there have been, over the years, a lot of defensive coordinators that prefer to call plays from the booth. And if you ever felt like that might be an issue for your players and maybe they wouldn't, uh, you know, be able to adjust to that different style, then maybe Wilkes wasn't the guy for you all along. So uh, it feels like the writing is on the wall that maybe his time is up, but I don't think his time is up because, oh man, this is just a bad coach. I think it just might be a bad fit for Wilkes and for Kyle Shanahan. Totally agree. hundred percent. I can't see how there's a lot of trust on either side right now. And if that's the case that you got to try to figure this out, 
I don't know if the 49ers can make a move with Wilkes if they don't already have a really good idea of who that next defensive coordinator is going to be, though, Croc. And seeing as they went outside of the organization this time, unlike the last time, and didn't hire from within, maybe Kyle Shanahan doesn't have that guy inside the organization that he wants to uh, elevate to head coach. You know, you think about guys who've been around a long time, like uh, linebackers coach Johnny Holland or something like that. Would he just say, oh, you know what? We should have just stuck with our guys in-house. Is there another younger candidate maybe that, that wasn't ready last year that is now ready? And then you look out at some really good coaches, some big names that are available. Kyle Shanahan, when he hired Robert Sala, first tried to get Mike Vrabel as the defensive coordinator. Vrabel is going to say, hell no, if you try to tell him what his scheme is going to be, though. And he runs a very different scheme than what the 49ers have run. And so uh, people have said, hey, see if you can talk Bill Belichick into coming to be a defensive coordinator for a year. I, I actually like the idea of Bill Belichick being a, uh, a consultant for a year for the 49ers, something like that, I think will be kind of interesting. And the 49ers had that last year with, um, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, it's in uh, Philly now. It was in Miami last year. Uh, but the, 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 the Steve Wilkes era feels like it was never right. And it feels like it's not right to go forward unless they really think that they can get on that same page. Now that it's been a year, work through whatever those issues are, figure out what this scheme needs to be next year with a lot of coaching session or a lot of film sessions and whatever it is throughout the off season. But if I'm Steve Wilkes, I don't want Kyle Shanahan looking over my shoulder every time I make a play call. And if Kyle can't trust him, then I think the writing's on the wall there already. And I think that would be the same for any coach that comes in. Now, now maybe, you know, someone else, maybe Kyle doesn't have to be over their shoulder. But if you look at the guys that, the 49ers have had a defensive coordinator, one, all handpicked by Kyle Shanahan, all picked to play a very uh, specific style of defense that Kyle felt like they could do. And then when they need to make those uh, changes, Kyle Shanahan was the one that kind of directed them to change a certain way based on how he would attack certain things. So he's been able to have his fingerprints all over the defense. I've been on record as saying Kyle Shanahan is the real defensive coordinator. When you bring in someone out of house that you didn't quite develop, cause, because look, look, Robert Sala, in-house guy, or excuse me, when I say in-house, again, he went and he got him, I want you to coach this style. And D'Amico Ryans, where I think he really got hot kind of out of nowhere a little bit, but he had been with the 49ers the entire time that regime was there. So Robert, uh, uh, D'Amico Ryans had been in every meeting with Robert Sala as it pertains to uh, Kyle Shanahan, the scheme, the adjustments, uh, the game planning, everything that went into it, D'Amico had been a part of that the entire time. So I think that transition was pretty seamless, especially for Kyle Shanahan, especially for D'Amico knowing how Kyle Shanahan wants and runs things, right? So you got to develop him that way to where, hey, this is my input and okay, this is how I got, want you guys to do things and he'll probably be okay with that. You start getting guys from outside, especially guys with bigger names, like you said with Rabel, it will be extremely difficult to tell one of those guys how to work something when they see it a certain way. And I think we ran into those issues with Wilkes, who, again, on paper, not a bad defense. If you just look at, oh, 49ers had top five defense. Oh, 49ers had top five scoring defense. Most people would take that. But in this situation, especially when the expectations are Super Bowl, we know things are a little bit tighter and it's going to come down to specific decisions that you make that's going to shape how people view you moving forward. Kyle Shanahan, I think, feels that. And I think D'Amico, oh, excuse me, uh, Steve Wilkes feels that as well. Next, Croc, um, I want to talk about uh, some other coaching issues, some play calls, Kyle Shanahan play calls. 
two crucial third down plays that Brock Purdy addressed as well. Next. Today's episode of Lockdown 49ers is brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you, right? And it's so important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. And I can't stress this enough. You can't let the small thing become the big thing because you didn't talk that out with somebody. And that's where BetterHelp Online Therapy comes in. Help you identify the topics that allow you to uh, to be authentically upset or sad or excited. And I know 49ers fans are feeling all those things right now, not just because of football, but you've got uh, life, you've got personal relationships, you've got work, whatever that is. So uh, therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have a lot bigger problems than your favorite sports team. It's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. So if you're thinking about Starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. Uh, in defensive coordinator news, Croc, Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo just signed a new extension on on wednesday so there you go um there was you got there a great was, here right you got, you got two guys they understand each other they work well yeah. with each other you do your thing i'll do my thing you stay out of this i'll stay out of that we win championships and hey i'm content with being a coordinator i think that's a big part of it maybe not wanting to be a head coach and enjoying your role with the team so good stuff by ken city lock up their long-term defensive coordinator i mean you look at kyle shanahan he's he's losing coaches and execs left and right every single year uh, Andy Reid's getting guys back. Matt Nagy left. He comes back. Uh, Eric Bieniemy left. He's coming back now. He was even there already helping him out in the Super Bowl. And, and you have this superstar, maybe best defensive coordinator in the NFL currently that isn't going to leave for a head coaching job. And man, that, that's, that was maybe the difference in the football game. Right, Croc? Like, I, I think about the Super Bowl, and everyone wants to point fingers like, it was this person's fault. It was this person's fault. It's a natural reaction. We've seen how upset some of the players are. Brandon Ayuk at his locker, upset, you know, uh, tears in his eyes. We've seen what his social media is like. We talked about that on yesterday's podcast about if maybe he wants out, if this could be the end for the 49ers relationship with Brandon Ayuk, which I hope is not the case. But when you start pointing at any factor for the Super Bowl loss for the 49ers, what if D'Amico Ryan's just waited one more year? Do the 49ers win the Super Bowl this year? Uh, probably. That might have been enough. You go with a rookie kicker. If you had Robbie Gold instead of a rookie kicker, which we identified this as a problem, you're trying to win a Super Bowl with a rookie kicker, it might come down to one kick. One extra point missed. One point. Well, in a game that's tied in regulation, one point makes a pretty big deal, Croc. When I, I thought he actually kicked very well yeah. in the Super Bowl, but that extra point that was blocked, it never had a chance. No, like, he had one like that earlier on too, not in that game, but uh, I can't, I'm blanking which game it was. I think it was the Packers game, but again, super low left. It, it was not going to make it. It was blocked. It wouldn't have made it anyway. So, but, but overall for a rookie, he did really well. Like he did as well as you could have expected a rookie kicker to be in the NFL. If your goal is to win a Super Bowl, rookie kicker, usually not the path to get you there. And we, we knew that and we identified it. And history told us that. Uh, when you look at play calls, whether it was Kyle Shanahan, according to some people, whether it was Steve Wilkes, one play here or there. This is the razor thinnest margin 
crock in the history of this game that a team lost the Super Bowl. Three seconds left in overtime when the when the final play was made. No game's ever gone that late in the Super Bowl, and the 49ers lost. So any one of those things, a Christian McCaffrey fumble, um, Ray Ray McLeod, you know, jump on the grenade, don't try to pick it up. Uh, Darrell Luter just being in the way anyway for the ball to hit off his foot. Um, uh, George Kittle was injured, so you had Braden Willis, seventh-round rookie in there, has a holding penalty right they're like there's just these all of these one things there was a million of them that maybe were enough by themselves to change the outcome of this game before you start pointing your finger at Kyle Shanahan saying he's not the guy he can never win the big one there are so many things it's pretty unbelievable uh and and most most of the big questions come with some really big plays in you know the third down calls specifically and those are warranted questions but there are so many of them it's impossible to point the one thing if McCaffrey doesn't fumble the ball in the first drive, 49ers win the Super Bowl. I, I'm 100% convinced of that. The 49ers had a had a 10-point lead. It should have been a 20-point lead. When the 49 when it was 0-0 at the end of the first quarter, should have been 14-0. Should have been 3-0. Something to, else to 0 and not 0-0, right? So there, there's just there's just just too many things that you could point to and when the margin for victory or loss is that razor thin. Uh, the Niners just came one play short, whether it was a play call, a play, a mistake, and you can't give the other guy that many opportunities to go beat you, which is what they finally did in the end. Now, a lot of people have talked about some of those third down plays, and I kind of have my thoughts on the third down and four play in regulation. And, uh, you know, it was it's cool. You can go to social media and you see a lot of people posting different all 22 things. Shout out to my guy, Rich Madrid. He kind of showed the play and you had McDuffie blitzing and he ended up being essentially a free runner. One thing that I, I feel like should have tipped the quarterback off. All right. So th there's a couple of different ways to look at this. And matter of fact, first, let's go into what Purdy said about it. And then I'll kind of give my response based from a novice uh, defensive player cornerback and what we view and think the offense is going to do. Okay, here's the quote from, you, you want me to go to the Brock Purdy quote on that? Yeah. Okay, so here's Brock Purdy. This is not the overtime third down call. This is the fourth quarter third down call where McDuffie came free as a, as a blitzer to the offense's uh, left side. And Brock Purdy said this. Uh, yeah, regardless, I mean, I'm supposed to read it uh, inside out, JJ was hot, and I felt like going to him in man-to-man -man situation is sort of what I was thinking. But yeah, with him blitzing, I think there was an opportunity for me to hit BA there, Brandon Ayuk, and that's something that I have to learn from and be real with myself about. I told BA, obviously, like, man, I wish I would have hit you there or at least attempted to go to you, but at practice, I've hit that outside slant a million times in that coverage, cover zero, and having our receiver with man outside, and obviously I trusted J.J., Jawan Jennings, to win a contested ball like it uh, like it was going to be. So it's just what happened in that moment. And uh, and when you go back and look at the film, it, it clearly that's where the ball should have gone is to Brandon Ayuk there. And he kind of looked like he was looking at Brandon Ayuk, decided to go to Juwan Jennings, and the, the blitzer McDuffie got his hand on the ball and tipped it so it didn't even get there for a chance at a, a contested catch. And there was a video of Kyle Shanahan on the sideline saying, McCaffrey, McCaffrey, McCaffrey. He definitely couldn't have gotten to McCaffrey on the right side of that play. So a, a lot going on there, a lot to figure out in such a short period of time. And on top of that, the protection that was 
uh, clearly not the correct pr protection that allowed that free blitzer to ruin that third down play. All right, so as a defender, what I'm expecting as a defensive back, one, let's look at it from an offensive standpoint. When I, even in seven on seven or, or even high school football, if I'm sending a nickel blitz, you typically will see the guy that has to end up catching the receiver or, you know, replacing that blitzing corner stacked behind the, the blitzing defender. So if you go back and you look at that play, you'll see the safety right behind, right stacked behind McDuffie because he knows McDuffie's going to go. I got to be here to, to play man versus this uh, receiver, Brandon Ayu. All right, so he can't be too far off, right? So that right there, I would assume, should be a key to why is that safety stacked behind McDuffie? I think McDuffie's coming. Let me change my prote protection, right? Maybe move. Uh, and again, I don't know if he could change his protection. That's the other thing. Kyle Shanahan says all the answers are in the play without the quarterback having to change protection. So maybe he couldn't. But that's one of those situations where it's like, all right, that guy looks like he's blitzing. Now, if he is blitzing, quarterbacks typically, again, novice, mine offensively, but from a defensive standpoint, what we are taught, they're going to throw to the voided area. All right, so as soon as that guy comes off the edge and he blitz, I should expect uh, the ball right now to go to B.A. That's how I'm thinking of it as a defender. And obviously, in hindsight, that looks like it would have been the right decision. In hindsight, Purdy says it was. But if he's been in practice and gotten those same that same scenario and he says Juwan Jennings is the hot, which is interesting because I, I don't know how – I don't know how many times, and we can get a quarterback on here. I don't know how many times versus press coverage and a guy in off and a guy potentially blitzing, the hot is an outside receiver. You know, first avoided area. That, that, that sounds interesting to me, but if that's how he's done it, then all right. And that's what's worked for you in practice, cool. But I don't know if I would have gone, made Jennings my hot versus a, versus a blitzing corner when the outside guy is pressed up. I likely would have thrown to the voided area, which would have been Ayuk. That was how I read it when I saw it and what made sense to me and how when I call blitzes and things, that's how we do it. But again, he may be taught something different. So it's interesting to hear his perspective on it. More on this play. Uh, I have some thoughts on why the outside receiver on that particular play would be the hot Jawan Jennings in this case and some other issues even on that play with, uh, with the protection and the protection calls and the protection uh, execution for the 49ers. And if it should have been a pass play at all, Croc, and then there was another question about some, uh, some, some uh, overtime calls as well next. This episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. It doesn't even have to be the big game, whether it is uh, any kind of a football game, basketball game, baseball game, local Concert, music, comedy, theater events near you, whatever it is, Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to all of your events. Killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. You get to see the view from your seat so you know what you're buying before you make your purchase. So you are not surprised when you get to your seats. And my favorite aspect of Game Time all in prices up front shows your total. So, you know, you're getting a great deal before you check out and you don't get hit on the back end with all those hidden fees. When you thought you had one price for those tickets and those hidden fees are 
ridiculous sometimes. And you see all of those prices up front at game time, which I love. So game time has the deals right up to the start of the event and even an hour after an event starts. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply, create an account and redeem code locked on for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, real quick, Peacock, uh, yeah. before we kind of uh, move on or to the next part of this topic, but w- when you rewatch the play again, you'll see the nickel, he shows blitz. So I would assume like there should be some kind of alert on this guy potentially blitzing. He showed blitz, then he backed out, and then he started creeping up again before the snap, and then boom, timed it and hit the gap. And I know offensive linemen are usually taught to block inside out, uh, but I think maybe the offensive lineman wasn't aware that he was coming because he was able to get through the middle, uh, which typically you would pick him up and let the edge rusher go. So uh, just my, my kind of my final thoughts on yeah. how it played out in hindsight, of course. A big thing for me with this is, and we do it here because we cover the 49ers. We don't cover the Chiefs. And 49ers fans are looking at it like, okay, what did my team do to make this play work? What did my team do to screw this up? I think this is one of those cases, and there was a lot of them, that you got to tip your cap to the other side. The way they played it, the way McDuffie showed it and kind of went in reverse for a second, you might have thought, okay, he's not coming after all. And then he still does come. Um, Spagnolo did a great job dialing up those pressures. They were one of the best in the NFL at doing it. They were awesome in this game against the 49ers. And it's not on Purdy for the protections because the quarterbacks in Kyle Shanahan's offense don't call the protections. Because if you think about Kyle Shanahan's offense and what quarterbacks have to do with all the motion they have, and you want to read, and, and Kyle Shanahan's in your ear until his headset's shut off at 15 seconds before the snap, and then you got to get everybody set and you've got all these motions, it's the center that handles the protections. And you can see it on that play. Jake Brendel's pointing here, pointing there. He's calling the protection and setting it up. And on that play, that look, which is what makes it so great from Spagnuolo, is there's they show pressure on the other side too. So it's not like you can sit there as the quarterback or as the center calling the protections and think, oh, McDuffie's the guy that's coming because there's guys coming on the other side as well. And it was just the perfectly dialed up spot. And I don't know if in Spagnuolo's defense it was like, okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna send the guy from the side that doesn't have the back because if you remember on that play, I think it was two backs. It was uh, McCaffrey and George Kittle. McCaffrey motions to the right side, so Kittle's on the right, and the blitz comes from the left. So that'd have been hard anyway for for Kittle to get over there and cut that off. And, and there was two blitzes too, by the way. Like like you said, they right. did blitz a guy from the other side. Yeah, and Kittle. And someone else ended up picking them up. So there's kind of a double on that blitzer. Yeah. But then obviously you have nobody for the other side. So, you know, it's it's essentially a zero blitz. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe there's a chance that instead of staying in the block, and again, I don't know their rules at all. But let's say you do have that zero blitz on. Could you just say, hey, Kittle, if they blitz, you flare out, and I'm just going to hit you in the flat, and now you have a catch and run opportunity. Like that could have been something they did as well because – Bolton was blitzing. It looked like he was blitzing no matter what. I believe it was Bolton. Mm-hmm. But you had two guys definitely coming. Right. And so the the answer probably was, okay, we have the extra the extra guy to protect on the right side of the quarterback. So the protection should have been we we fan left with the protection. And George Kittle's our extra guy to help us out on the right with the blitzer. And so then maybe you have everybody picked up because then you have the same amount of uh, protectors as you have rushers in that situation. But uh, Is it dangerous to have your center – 
just 100% call the protection and take it all off of your quarterback when the center, like just from his viewpoint, you know, he's, he's here, he's right here. He's kind of at a lower level, you know, okay. He came, but then he backed out. Okay. Let me not account for him. And then, Oh, got to snap the ball. And I have to block, you know, I don't know, crazy four or not Chris Ford, uh, Chris Jones, right. who's in front of me in the split second, I have to react and block him. And you kind of forget about, you know, would it be more helpful to have a quarterback be able to say, I, 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 hold on, hold on. I know you called out the protection, but I think this guy is coming. At the very least, let me move uh, George Kittle to this side. And hey, George Kittle, if he comes, you block him. If not, you can help elsewhere. Like, you, you know, I don't even know if that's a thing they do offensively, but it, it seems like the 49ers have taken a lot of the control on the protection away from the quarterback. Maybe at times they should be able to, if they kind of, if they see something as well, and you can relay that to the offensive line, something, but it seems like it would be hard for an offensive line to pick that up late. Yeah, totally agree. And, and maybe that's an aspect of, you know, of the offense that you can build on as, as Brock Purdy gets older and this is his first year, first full year starting in the NFL, right. In, in a Shanahan offense. But I mean, you know, going all the way back to Matt Ryan and, and Alex Mack is the center with the Atlanta Falcons. That's how they did it then. That's just, that's Kyle Shanahan's offense. He wants the quarterback to be able to focus on other things and he likes his center to be the one that, that sets the protections. But ideally, yes, uh, you, you, your quarterback should be able to change anything he wants and, and have the opportunity to do that if there's time. But a lot of times there's not time. Maybe you have a whole bunch of uh, delay of games, you know, asking your quarterback to do it after he's already got to do all the, uh, the motions and you know in, in the play call and everything that goes into to Kyle Shanahan's offense. So unfortunately, look, uh, tip your cap. The Steve Spagnuolo's defense was awesome in this game, but uh, I think one of the aspects of why Jay um, Juwan Jennings would be the hot there is just because it's a quicker throw, it's a shorter route, and as long as that blitzer isn't knocking the ball down, there it's the quickest path to get the ball out, and. With, then with, to the slot receiver that with Iuke's with the with the route Iuke's running is is deeper that goes short, you know he, he makes his break sooner basically and with theoretically Iuke's route opens the underneath route up too and and you don't know what else is coming I don't know so that's just my thoughts on that play um, Brock Purdy answered the oh yeah and here's the other one should the 49ers have been in four down territory there. And just go say, we're going to run it now, third and four. We're going to run it again after that. Four down territory. We're not going to kick the field goal. We're going to score a touchdown in this game. Because if the 49ers convert there, they might win the Super Bowl, right? Uh, and they the, would win. And the, yeah, they would win. The Chiefs never get an opportunity to get the ball back. You run the risk, though, of allowing the Chiefs to go down and kick a field goal to win it. Because the Niners did kick a field goal in that situation, too. Um, did the 49ers make the right decision? Even play call aside, protection aside, to, to throw the ball, period, on that third and four cross. I like the thought of saying, this is four down territory, let me run on third down. And if you get no yards, then okay, okay, yeah, then we kick it no matter what. But if you pick up two or three, which I think Chris McCaffrey is capable of doing, now you got a fourth and one opportunity. And I, I'd say in that situation, all right, we're, we're, we're going for the win. And that's, you know, when we talk about calling plays to win the game as opposed to not lose. Um, I think that would have been a great example of it. As he showed earlier uh, when the 49ers went for it on fourth down uh, in the fourth quarter as well. And I, I just think that's the symptom of the same thing, which is fair to point at Kyle Shanahan. And look, you can say Kyle Shanahan, you, you can say you didn't like this thing that Kyle Shanahan did. 
and not want him fired. Like I, everyone needs to understand this idea because it's either like, well, got to fire the head coach. Didn't like this one call or does, don't like this thing. You know, all pretty talked about. It. You got to learn from it. Kyle Shanahan's got to learn from it. Um, but it's all a symptom of one thing, and it's something that's been frustrating with Kyle Shanahan, you know, for his entire career as a 49ers head coach. And it was similar in the, the end of the first half in uh, in the Super Bowl 54 four years ago, right? And it was the not calling timeouts at the beginning uh, or at the end of the first half and not trying to get the ball back one more time, maybe get in field goal range there. Uh, it's the not thinking about overtime. Oh, you just go, let's take the ball second. And we're not even going to let the other team get the ball for that third possession. We're going to go. The, for the more I hear that is just, it's just wild. And there's some people that are like, nah, I understand it. And it's like, I will never understand that. Depending on who you're playing. If you are playing Rex Grossman, by all means do it. You know, Rex Grossman played against uh, the, the sheriff and uh, Peyton Manning back in the day. If it's Rex Grossman and you don't feel like this quarterback is that, uh, all right, then cool. But there are some quarterbacks I'm absolutely not doing that with. Tom Brady, it's like I'm not giving him this the, to know what's going on and knowing how good he is in those moments. Absolutely not. I feel like Patrick, Mom Patrick Mahomes has proven to be that kind of quarterback as well where you say, mm, I need to see what this guy does first. I, I can't let him see what we do and then have him be able to react to that. That is just that, – that would not have even been a thought in, in, my, in my mind. But other people that they're saying not, not, I understand it. And it's like, all right, you know. But we talked about it. Yeah. We talked about it a lot. The 49ers got to cut the head off the snake early in this game. You got to go up big. Mm -hmm. You cannot put yourself in a position where Mahomes has a drive to either tie or win the game because he will do it. Yep. And yep. he did both of those at the end of the game. It's, it's a mindset thing. And it's funny because Kyle Shanahan gets killed on both ends of being too conservative in those situations and then throwing the ball when he should run it in other situations and not being conservative enough and run the ball. So uh, it's. And yeah. I never had a problem with the throws. Like I, I always just felt like that was him trying to keep the Chiefs defense honest. So I never had an issue with the runs. Obviously, I think it was. You got one or two carries in the in the second I and mean, in the third quarter. It, on paper, it does sound ridiculous, but when you look at the game flow and some of the penalties that happened in that third quarter, it's a little bit more understandable than just looking at a number and how many carries you had. But I also understand just how they're playing 49ers. If you're trying to trying to keep them honest and open up some of the other things that you want to do, that's more understandable to me, for, in my opinion. And it's something the 49ers are going to have to clean up with protections, uh, whether it's the guys up front plus their rules in protection and who's making the, the calls in protection and if the quarterback can do more to help out with those types of things. Uh, real quick, and we got to go here, but uh, Brock Purdy on the third and four from the nine-yard line in overtime, this is what he had to say about that. Again, another uh, protection bust and uh, a free rusher. Uh, Spencer Burford was the one that uh, that I think went uh, a little rogue on that play and, and should have been in another place to to make a block and i know colton mckivitz you know had some misses in that game but uh, a lot of people were blaming him and it wasn't mckivitz fault on that protection bust but brock purdy on that said i mean that one that was a tough situation there i don't know if i could have made a quicker decision i was trying to be safe with the ball obviously juan jennings opened up but i didn't know where the corner was at but by, by the time i released the ball i was just trying to be safe and smart with it and i knew we could get a field goal on the next down so that's where my mindset was at but just throughout the game before that, there were some other plays where it happens. 
and you've got to make a play. And what happens talking about, uh, you know, protection busts and, and needing to make a play there. So uh, Purdy just, you know, that was the one where he threw it up to the right and, and, uh, and, and kind of just threw it into the end zone. And Juwan Jennings wasn't anywhere close to being able to make the catch on that one. I, I think that one. I, I blame protection more than I blame Purdy on, yeah. on both those plays. And you talked about a protection bust. I think that was more of a protection bust than the other play. The other play is just like, we're just going to overload you guys and yeah. you're going to have to try to pick it up and we'll see what happens. This one was a clear protection bust uh, by, you know, your guard. I mean, even your guard, Spencer Burford, like he admitted so that this is this is on me. Uh, as far as making a play on that, I think a lot of times those type of things are the difference between winning a Super Bowl and not, where like making the play that's not there to be made. I would hope that nobody would fault Brock Purdy for not being able to make a play in that situation. But if you want to win a Super Bowl, a lot of times that's the play that you need to make to be yeah. able to win it. So I hope people are able to differentiate what I'm saying there. That's not a slight at Brock or saying that he did anything wrong, but it is just saying, I wish he could have made a play in that moment because a lot of times that's how you win. Eric Crocker, Brock Purdy hater. At Crocky209 on Twitter. <laughs> but like that's why, like I, I just always come back to is the first thing I thought of, and I tweeted it out at seven whatever PM Sunday night. Patrick Mahomes is gonna get all the credit. That's what everyone's gonna talk about. That's what everyone will continue to talk about. But the 49ers made mistakes and allowed, yes, the 49ers allowed the Chiefs to hang around and they gave Mahomes all those extra opportunities. It shouldn't have come to that. And the difference between how good. Uh, how good Mahomes is and how good Purdy is to me it was not the difference in the Super Bowl. It was all these other things, and just one of them had to go right for the 49ers, and uh, and and it didn't. And that in the end, that was that was enough in a, in a game where the margins were that razor thin with three seconds left in overtime. So uh, thanks everybody for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Love all the everydayers out there. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Croc and I. Back tomorrow, um, maybe more changes, more head coaching changes, and it's mock draft season as well coming up soon. So that would probably uh, stay tuned for that on Monday. We got to talk about off-season needs, draft needs. Here we are. Talk to you then right here. Locked on 49ers.